This week we're going to talk about trading psychology. Why does trading attract so many people? Well, I think it's because trading suffers from the shiny things syndrome. Type A individuals are very attracted to trading. It's sort of a plan that they can follow and execute. Intellectuals are attracted to trading because it's like a big puzzle that they need to figure out. Get rich quick people are attracted to trading because obviously they want to get rich quick. Action hounds are attracted to trading. Those are the kind of people that jump off of bridges with bungee cords. Hero complex individuals are attracted to trading because they want to be able to hit the big home run and be the big hero for everybody. And the winner stardom syndrome is what attracts a lot of people to trading. They're going to go into trading, they're going to make millions of dollars, and then they'll be big stars in their families and in their communities. Unfortunately, that's not exactly how things work out. Another area of trading psychology is the bad habits area. And within these particular things, there are some categories that I want to point out. One of the largest categories or bad habits that I see in clients that I train to trade uh, is the inability to take responsibility. And this is actually kind of an interesting uh, predicament because the way our world is structured allows you to play what's called the blame game. You know, my boss was a jerk, the economy is terrible, my tools suck, my computer's not fast enough, my internet isn't fast enough, that's all the reasons why I can't be successful trading. Because of the blame game scenario, it's very convenient and easy for people not to take responsibility for their trading. What you have to do in order to be successful is take that responsibility and I'll go over that in a second here. Another area of bad habits in trading is what I call analysis paralysis. I've seen clients screens that have 50 indicators on them uh, that they're trying to use to figure out when to get in and out of a trade. So many indicators that it's basically almost impossible to figure out what to do. There is a behavior called revenge trading where you take a trade but you lose and you're angry about it and then you continue to take more trades because you somehow think you can seek revenge on the trading gods by trading some more and getting all your money back plus a profit. It just doesn't happen. Binge trading is another behavior that I see people do and that's where they just keep pulling the slot machine lever and can't stop. They do not realize that more is not better. All you are doing is you are increasing exponentially the amount of risk that you're taking. And last but not least, something I call time frame shifting, or in other words, hopium. So let's say I was taking a trade in a very small time frame, like a 15 minute time frame. 
and the trade isn't working out. So now I zoom out to an hour time frame, and that trade still isn't working out. And then I zoom out to a four hour time frame, and that trade still isn't working out. And then I make it an actual swing trade, and I'm gonna wait days for it to get to the point where I want it to get to, and it never does. That's what I call time shifting. Very, very bad habit that a lot of people do. So how do you become a successful trader? Well, what you have to do is you have to get into what's called the zone. Think of an individual sport athlete, okay? They have to be able to get into the zone in order to be successful, like a swimmer or a downhill skier, something like that, where it's just them. There's nobody else to blame but them. There's nobody else responsible for their success but them. They're used to taking responsibility for every aspect of their sport and activity and figure out how to improve it and how to move on. There are three areas that you need to be able to develop to become a successful trader. The first area is you need to learn how to become fearless and not worry about any mistakes you made or are making and be able to move on. There's a lot of scientific data out there that says when you are afraid, your lizard brain kicks in. Because you have adrenaline pumping in your body, it's the fight or flight scenario. When that kicks in, your logic and reasoning circuits are shut off because everything is allocated to the get me the hell out of here. Uh, circuitry so it's very difficult for you to think logically and think of the impacts of your decisions so you have to learn to develop that over time that that takes a lot of practice and skill to get to that point where you suppress the lizard brain kicking in the second thing you have to do is you have to learn restraint uh, the kiss of death for a new trader is for them to have a string of winners early on because they then think they've figured out the holy grail and then they continue to trade with unfounded confidence. And then ultimately what happens is their bet gets bigger and bigger and eventually one of them just takes them out of the game. The third thing you have to do is you have to think in probabilities. What is the likelihood of this trade being successful if I take it? What a lot of people don't understand is just like in Las Vegas, each hand or each trade is unique. So the probability engine is reset every time you take a trade, okay? So you have to keep that in perspective and think in probabilities if you're gonna be a successful trader. All right, enough about that. Let's talk about the market a little bit. Today I thought I'd focus on something a little bit different, digital currencies. What do I mean by digital currencies? Well, you you hear a lot about that in the news lately because various countries have either talked about or are in the process of evaluating or implementing a digital currency. What is a digital currency? Well, it's anything that functions on what's called a blockchain ledger, okay? And without getting too complicated about the whole idea of blockchain. Just think of it as a virtual ledger that keeps track of all transactions that happen 
and it's distributed. It's like a torrent. It's out uh, in the cloud. And if I collect some money from someone through the blockchain, it records that transaction. And if I send some money to someone, it records that transaction in this blockchain ledger. But nobody can see the ledger. No one can go in and administer the ledger or change the ledger or make reports on the ledger. It just keeps track of all the transactions and the movement of the currency back and forth in the cloud. That's what's called a decentralized blockchain ledger. And that's what typically something like Bitcoin lives on. And that's why people are excited about it because they can do their work, do their business, exchange their um, information with other people and not have to worry about somebody messing around with it. What the governments are talking about is a centralized digital currency and it would be issued by a specific government. They would also be able to monitor all transactions going from one point to another. Now, think about this. Your government could monitor your transactions and basically turn you off if you were doing something that they disapproved of. So you would have no ability to do any type of financial transactions with other people or businesses if the government deemed so. This is why I think this concept of a centralized currency for countries is extremely dangerous. There's 105 countries who are looking into a digital currency and they represent about 95% of the global GDP. So virtually every single country is looking into this, but only about 9% of them have launched an actual currency. So this is something we need to keep tabs on, but be alert because it is a mechanism for a country to take over total control of their citizens when it comes to financial capability. Do you doubt this? Do you doubt the ability for corruption and control to seep into this? Well, let's just take a quick look at the Chinese social credit system. They have a system over there where you get social credits for the various things you do. It starts at level one, which is basically you're compliant and you do everything that you're told. So you get to live uninterrupted. Whatever you wanna do, you can pretty much do. Then you have level two, somebody who maybe jaywalks once in a while or does something that's not a huge offense, but it's against the law. They would have some restrictions placed on their ability to function in society and transact financially. Then you have the deadbeats, people who don't pay their bills. They might be taxed heavily, incurred a lot of fines, and be restricted from traveling. There's level four, the accused. Remember, you haven't committed the crime, you're just accused of the crime. You have to issue a public apology to avoid any social credit loss. You didn't do the crime, but you have to apologize. Level five, convicted. You did some type of crime and you've been convicted of it. You basically have no social credit score. You virtually can't do anything. And then there's level six, where they just lock you up. Now, is this something that we wanna do in this country? I don't think so. 
at least I don't. Anyway, that's it for this week. Please check out these things. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Check out the website at wavewritertradingtechnologies.com. Check out our affiliates, Exapure for losing weight, and EA Builder if you want to build your own trading system. Don't forget, the IntelliTrend trading system will be available September 1st for you to use. And something new, Trade Advisor, which is a full semester course uh, and coaching for how to learn to trade will be available January of 2023. But it is in beta test right now with a couple of test pilot students. So we're working out the kinks and the quirks of the system and hopefully it will be ready to rock and roll in January of 2023. Anyway, that's it for me. Over and out from Bill.